Hello and welcome back to my podcast, Why Me? I'm your host, Jake. In this episode, I talked with Jonathan Andrews about his experience with mental illness and his public speaking business. Listen to this episode if you want to learn some practical tips on how to balance numerous responsibilities, conquer self-doubt, and take care of yourself. Enjoy. friend Jonathan. Jonathan, do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'd be happy to. My name's Jonathan. For those of you that don't know me, I work full-time in enterprise software sales at a company called Stick in Toronto. Uh, Jake and I met through Jack.org, which is an organization that advocates for youth mental health. And I've been involved with mental health advocacy since 2016, late 2016, that's when I first started doing a couple speeches with Toastmasters, and I did some speeches there, and some people said, that's a great story, you should reach out to this group or that person, and then it was really a snowball all throughout 2017. I did dozens and dozens and dozens of speeches, and then eventually I got connected through Jack.org because I delivered a speech at a gala that was for an organization called Healthy Minds Canada, mm-hmm. and that was the same event that Jack Org was taking over that organization, and it just was a natural progression to start working with Jack Org from there. Cool. Awesome. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you talk about your story and the speeches you've done. I mean, if you feel comfortable sharing, um, it'd be great to hear your story and experience with mental illness. Yeah, Absolutely. And it's worth noting for those that are listening, I'm very emotionally detached now from the experience. I've told the story hundreds of times. and It's so I interesting that you say that. It, sorry, no, go. No, go ahead. No, I, no <laughs> well, sorry for interrupting, but, I, but I, I totally get what you're saying. And, and once you say it so many times, you kind of can say it without actually physically and mentally going back to that moment. And yeah. I almost find myself avoiding going back to that moment because I didn't like that feeling. Um, anyway, yeah, but I know what you mean. No, I think it's really important to bring it up because a lot of the training that we do with Jack.org is how do we tell the story in a safe way? Yeah. Because the last thing that we want is a speaker to be up on stage trying to be transparent and then they're triggered themselves and they're bringing up the emotions that they experienced when they were in that place of darkness. And then it's not good for anybody, including the audience, including the speaker. And so I've really worked hard to try to detach from that. And the reason why I think my story is actually more impactful than a lot of very dramatic stories about mental illness is because anybody could go through what I went through. Right. It's very, it's very common and it, the, one of the people that made a big impact on me in 2016 when I started telling my story is he said, and the reason why I was having this conversation with him is because he had experienced a really big tragedy in his life. He ended up in jail and he went through some real hardship, a lot of things that people can't relate to. Right. And so when I was having this conversation with him, he's like, hey, Jonathan, like you have no idea who your story is going to resonate with because it is something that may be common. I perceived it as a bad thing. He said, you will be able to connect with and resonate with so many more young people. Mm. Uh, and so what happened was 
I was an outgoing, spontaneous, energetic, athletic kid, uh, grade eight, grade nine. And as I made the transition into high school, I was come up with a lot of really challenging decisions like most teenagers are and they do. I had to choose who my new friend group was. And at the time, I had a close family friend that took their own life. Mm-hmm. And that made a big impact on me. There was someone I looked at as an advisor and someone that I really loved and admired. And so that was traumatic. And now I'm choosing who my friends are and I make the wrong decision. I start hanging with the wrong guys. I start skipping class. I start doing drugs. I start quitting sports and the things that give me passion, that were giving me meaning and giving me my enthusiasm, my energy. Yeah. And, and then as you would expect for the people that make those types of decisions, I started to have a downward spiral and swivel downward. Mm-hmm. And it just all started to pile on top of each other until the point where I'm in grade 10 and I'm spending less time at school than anybody else in my grade and I'm, I'm virtually never there. And I, it's so hard for me to wake up in the morning and I can't go a day without doing drugs and I eat like shit. I have no friends now. And like, six months goes by of this cycle and my parents are like, okay, we've had enough of this. And they finally take me to the doctor. And as you've experienced, and like a lot of youth experience, I was diagnosed with clinical depression mm-hmm. and general anxiety disorder. Okay. And so that was back in 2011. Wow. And so what was the process of treatment and, and how did that work itself out for you? Yeah, so I was given pharmaceutical medication at the time. I was given Prozac, and I started taking that based off the doctor's recommendations. I How did that go? I think, personally, it was a positive experience for the first couple of months. That's good. It helped relieve a lot of the really extreme symptoms that I was yeah. experiencing. And yeah. then I got to a point where I felt like I had plateaued right. using the medication, and then the conversations were, okay, well, you should take higher dosages. And at that point, I wasn't in a position where I wanted to do something like that. I started, at this point, I started to really consider that I made some poor decisions right. that made me end up where I'm at rather than, which I was doing before, which was being a victim and I was blaming. And I said, why, did, why do I have to be this way? You know, it's the name of this podcast, Why Me? I was, I was asking those types of questions prior. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm in grade 11 and I'm starting to feel a little bit better, it's, you know, months after taking the, the drugs. Yeah. I'm starting to really consider, you know, like, was it my fault? And what are the steps that I could take to have the positive direction that I want to go in? And right. so the first step that I took and the most important step was I reached out to my dad mm-hmm. and I asked him for help to help me stop doing drugs. And so that was the that was the most critical part. And if I think back to that moment, I remember sitting down with him. My my palms were sweating. My throat was dry. My words were heavy. And I just said, like, I I, I need your help. And he knew because he had caught me a couple of times, but I had never wanted to stop. And at this point, I said, you know, if I make this decision, mm-hmm. then things will get better. Like, I had made that decision, like, this is what I need to do. Yeah. And so he was the person that helped me stay accountable to stopping. And I did that. 
And because I did that, I felt like, okay, cool. I made, I took one step. Uh, obviously there were days where I wanted to do it and I reached out to people and I bought more and I, and then I relapsed, but then I had to do it again and make the decision all over again. Yeah. But I made that decision. I had my dad's accountability. I took another step. You talk about it on this podcast. I started exercising regularly again. Mm -hmm. I started playing hockey regularly again. That Mm -hmm. made me feel really good. Exercising made me feel really good. I got really addicted to exercise. I was going seven days a week at that point. Uh, And then because I was exercising so much, I was sore and I was tired. So I needed to sleep. So my sleep cycle started to figure itself out. And I was eating proper foods because I wanted to take care of my body because I was in the gym so much. And then now... You know, a year later, I'm 18 years old, and things have never looked better. I'm reading books about personal development, about goal setting, about the power of visualization, the things that feed my mind in a positive direction. And I was taking care of my body, taking care of my mind, taking care of my spirit. And around 18 years old, I, I never looked back since then. That's awesome. So, so it was about a two-year journey. So what was, what was the, the turning point? Did you say, can you, can you think of one or was it more just this constant effort and long-term commitment to getting better? Yeah. Good question. I, I've thought about this many times. I wanted to say to myself, you know, I wish there was one moment so I could point to it and say, you know, this is all you have to do. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, it was, weeks of looking at myself and evaluating where I was at and where I knew I could be and being upset about it and being frustrated about it and then making the decision ultimately to reach out to my dad if I had to pick one point that was the one where it was no longer Jonathan by himself trying to get over depression it was I had a team and I had people out on my court and my corner and we were working on it together yeah that's awesome. So, the, you know, the other thing is you said it was a two-year journey. And, you know, as you said, there isn't always a turning point And it takes a lot of hard work and commitment. So how did you stay motivated to continue to do everything in your power to continue to get better? I think if I'm, if I'm hearing you correctly, it was because I knew how bad it was. Okay. I had experience, like most people do, bliss and joy and enthusiasm and high energy. I, I had known what that felt like. Mm-hmm. And when you get into a place where you're feeling anxious or you're feeling depressed or you're feeling hopeless or you're feeling overwhelmed, you can tell that there's a difference. And if you're in that place long enough, there's a part of you that wants to go back to the way that it was. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you have that contrast, it's like the cliche that people always say, most people that have been through depression will say that they don't wish they never went through it because now it helps them appreciate what they have today, which I agree with. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can, the, the flip side's true when you're in that dark place. Like you can look at how it was and you can say to yourself, you know, I want to make a commitment, like you said, to do whatever it's going to take to get back to what it was because I know how good it can feel mm-hmm. if, I, if I take the right actions and I take the right steps. And like you said, it's a long-term journey. One of my favorite quotes, it's one of the quotes that helped me really start off in my public speaking journey is a quote by Jim Rowan. He said, 
you can't change the destination of your life overnight, but you can change your direction. Mm. And so you focus on that direction shift and then you take steps every single day, every single week, every single month to align with that ultimate destination that you want to get to, which for me was uh, feeling high energy, feeling positive again, uh, and getting my life back. I, I think that that's, that, that would resonate with a lot of people. And I was thinking too, when I asked that question, you know, some of the things about me and, and as you said, once you get a glimpse of how you felt before and kind of this inkling of how you could feel, you, you just, yeah. it, that just starts everything going and, and it kind of just, yeah. you start doing it for you and instead of people telling you that you should. Yeah, and it's so challenging because when you're in the mud, all you can feel is being in the mud and it yeah. sucks and you're yeah. hopeless you're over, and you're overwhelmed. But we need to be able to step back and, and, and it's so challenging when you're in it. But think about the way that everybody's life works. It's all fluctuating. It's all cyclical. There's four seasons. We're going into summer and then we're going to fall and then we're going to winter. Sometimes yeah. you're in winter season. Yeah. Sometimes things are tough business isn't progressing business is regressing and the markets are crashing and it it doesn't matter if it's in business or it's your personal life or if it's emotionally or or like with depression as an example things will fluctuate and we need to know that this isn't a permanent problem and it's something that we can work towards a, a better version of what we're experiencing right now awesome so my next question is you know, now you're working full time, you're a public yeah. speaker on the side, yeah. you're involved with Jack.org, you're a mental health advocate. Mm-hmm. How do you manage all these responsibilities at the same time? Good question. A couple things come to mind immediately. I'd say the most important one is taking care of my physical health first. I'm a big believer that everything that I do to take care of my physical health will bleed in and ripple into my emotional and mental health. Yeah. I start with fitness first every single day. If you met me in person, you wouldn't think I have the the biggest muscles of all time, but it's not about that for me. It's about movement and blood circulation and feeling strong. As long as I'm moving my body, that's my number one priority every single morning. Mm -hmm. So that would be my most actionable takeaway. Yeah. Be start your day with movement. I know you're a big proponent of yoga and exercise. I think that's something that's fantastic to advocate for, and everyone should be starting their day with some sort of movement, whether that's a walk, yoga, fitness, uh, weightlifting, doesn't matter. So that's number one. Yeah. Number two, and this is where, as a student, you can relate to. It's easy to get overwhelmed when you've got all these projects on your hands at the same time, mm-hmm. and two things that I do that really help me to stay on track and to not feel overwhelmed, even though I do sometimes Mm -hmm. is number one, I have a schedule and I stick to it. I use Google calendar. I also use a written format of a schedule where every night before I go to bed, I lay out what the morning looks like and then what the tasks I need to get done during the day. If I can control the morning specifically, Mm -hmm then it sets me up for success. Mm -hmm. But then I also use my Google Calendar to make sure that if it's not on the schedule, it's probably not happening. Right. And so I highly recommend for whether it's students or people that are trying to become entrepreneurs because they don't have a boss and they need to be their own boss and create their own schedules that they leverage 
a calendar or Google Calendar, something of that nature. And then the third piece is something that I picked up from, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of him before, his name's Jocko Willink. No. Jocko Willink wrote a book called Extreme Ownership. And the first time I ever heard of him was on Tim Ferriss' podcast. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Tim Ferriss. Yeah, I know Tim Ferriss. I don't know him. I mean, I've heard of his podcast. Yeah. Yeah, so he wrote a book called Extreme Ownership, and it's lessons that he learned as a a Navy SEAL in the U.S. military. And one of the tactics that he outlines and one of the takeaways that you can take advantage of is something called prioritize and execute. Okay. And it's oversimplified because as soon as you try to complicate it, it's not as actionable. Right. It's simply prioritize the things that need to get done and then do them. And like there's all sorts of things that you could do to limit distractions like turn your phone in airplane mode, block out that time on your calendar, make lists, whatever makes you feel like you're you're progressing. But really the name of the game is progress. As soon as you let a day go by and you didn't take something off the list or if you didn't execute on something, people will say, well, I can just work twice as hard tomorrow. Well, you could have done that anyway. It's, yeah. not a, it's not a reasonable argument to put off doing something today. Uh, for students, for me personally, with the business that I'm trying to create, knowing that I'm working nine hours a day at work, I have to have it on the calendar. I have to make sure that I'm taking fitness as my number one priority. And then I, I make sure that I prioritize what needs to get done. I don't know if you follow me on Instagram, but you know I've got quarterly goals, which means those break down into monthly goals, which means those break down into weekly goals. And then on a day-to-day basis, I know what I need to execute on to make the weeklies, the monthlies, and the quarterlies happen. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I, and I did a... I did an episode on on prioritizing. I don't know if you've read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Um, I have, yeah. So, you know, the the matrix of urgent and important matrix, I think is is really a really good way of prioritizing things. And as you said, we all get so busy and we start neglecting these things like physical activity because they're not pulling in our attention. But it's so important as you said, to be in good physical health because, you know, everything else snowballs after that. So totally agree. Yeah, I hope that's helpful. Yeah. So, and then, you know, we've, we've talked about this a little bit, but, you know, starting anything, whether it's a business, a blog, career, podcast, new hobby, new passion, it's it's really hard. It's really challenging and, and it often comes with a lot of self-doubt and I know that with this yeah. podcast in the beginning you know there's obviously a self there's a lot of self-doubt and when you're starting anything new I think that that's pretty normal and so how can we push through this especially someone with a mental mental illness and what strategies or advice do you have for this yeah that's a great question and the way I want to tackle this is by using you as a blueprint for other people that want to do something similar or any sort of creative project is the first step typically, and I recommend, is to reach out to people that are doing something similar to what you want to do. Okay. Because the last thing you want to do, especially someone that's having challenges with mental health or mental illnesses, is that you want to try to reinvent the wheel and do a ton of heavy lifting. It's not necessary. Virtually everything that any project that somebody wants to take on right now has already been done by somebody else. As an example, 
for those that are listening, one second. <laughs> for those that are listening, Jake reached out to me prior to starting the podcast and said, hey, do you have any tips? And what do you think? And is this a good angle? And just reaching out and asking somebody who's had a similar experience in a, in a creative pursuit you're trying to do is a fantastic way to start. Mm. There's no reason to reinvent the wheel when you can model the behavior of somebody that's already done it, especially someone that's done it successfully and that are a couple steps ahead. And so that's number one I highly recommend to model the behavior of someone that's where you want to be. Absolutely. And then secondarily is, you know, how do you get over this self-doubt? Well, I recommend taking the smallest steps possible if you have a lot of self-doubt, and there might be people that have no self-doubt, in which case I recommend taking the biggest step possible. So your goal should be based off of your own level of confidence and self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I love by Jim Rohn is a lot of people think that it takes a lot of discipline to create a little bit of confidence, but it's actually the flip. It takes a little bit of discipline to create a lot of confidence. Cool. The name of the game when we're building confidence and self-esteem is progress. When you can see progress in your life, whether that's in your education and your fitness goals, with your relationships, it doesn't matter. When you can see the progress, you are building self-esteem, you are building confidence. Mm-hmm. When you're taking on a creative pursuit like this, take a small step, make some progress, reflect, celebrate on that on that progress, and then take another step and just keep stepping. And if you have a little bit of self-esteem, then take smaller steps so you can build some momentum and gain some confidence. And if you have a lot of self-esteem, take some big steps and tackle it head on. But either way, if you're making progress, you will start to make some reasonable uh, goals and you will start to be moving in the right direction ultimately, which is what we're here for. Yeah, I think I think that that's awesome. And, and you know, as you said, just there's so many times when we, we start things it's really hard to continue with the self self doubt. And so just no matter what, don't give up because as you said, even making little steps, you feel so much better. And then you get to a point where you say, wow, you know, I've, I've built this thing and I'm going to continue to grow and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Would you say this is episode 14? Yeah. Like how good does it feel knowing that you said, I'm not sure if I should start a podcast. I don't know if anyone's going to listen to it. I don't know if it's going to add any value to anyone. And now you can, you can look back and you can say, I did this. I put in the work. I took the necessary steps. I reached out to the people I need to reach out to. Now I'm 14 episodes deep. You must be proud of yourself. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I, I am. It's, it's, it's really fun. And it's, um, I also have been looking at it as a learning opportunity. And so, you know, as we talked about too, I remember asking you, I said, you know, what if it, fails and you said well what does failure mean and I said well that's a really good question because I don't really know and everything that has happened I've just learned from it and I wouldn't say you know if, if no one listened to it it's not really a failure it just means I mean it doesn't matter I don't know no it, it, that's exactly right it just depends on the way that we frame what's happening to us it's, it's very common in stoic philosophy to say it doesn't really matter what happens to you. It matters the way the way you frame or the way you think about what's happening to you. Yeah. So if you if you frame it as this whole creative pursuit, this entire blog, this entire podcast, this entire speech that I'm writing to deliver to people is about learning and expanding myself, 
about making progress in who I am as a person, then there will be no failure at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a great way of framing new opportunities that arise and convincing yourself to, to go through with them. Sweet. I agree, man. I agree. And I, by the way, I'm really proud of you for getting as far as you have. Oh, thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> well, you were one of the first ones to, to motivate me. So I really appreciate that. Okay, good. Um, so is there anything else you would like to share with listeners going through mental illness challenges or just any struggles in their life or any, any last thoughts? I'm tempted to want to use like some cliche quote that I've used throughout the whole, the whole episode. But at the end of the day, I think we need to avoid overcomplicating mm-hmm. the position that we're in. A lot of people are faced with the same challenges that we're faced with more challenging challenges that we're faced in, but we blow it up in our own minds. I'm a big fan of Stoic philosophy and Seneca said that he who suffers before necessary suffers more than necessary. And so people are, were, were making suffering bigger than it really is. We're making our challenges bigger than they are. We're making our problems bigger than they are, obstacles bigger. Not that we don't have them, but we are making them exponentially bigger in our own minds. So I would tell people, don't overcomplicate the circumstances you're in. Mm-hmm. The, the biggest thing that anybody can do, the strongest thing that anyone can do the most practical step that somebody can do is to not tackle those challenges that they're experiencing alone. Mm-hmm. Like just step one, reach out to somebody for support, whether that's Jake, whether that's me, whether that's your parents, it's a, it's a trusted advisor, a friend that you know you can be close with. And this goes to challenges in your, in your education. This goes to challenges with your mental health. It doesn't matter. Reaching out will always be the most important first step mm-hmm. because now you've got somebody to lean on, now you've got an outside perspective, now you've got somebody that can help steer the ship, and, and you won't be taking it all on and this entire burden on alone. So don't overcomplicate it, reach out for support, and I think really at the end of the day, that's the most important first step anyone can take. Awesome. Well, that's a great that's a great way to end it. Okay. Well, I'm glad I could be on the show. Yeah. Let me know if there's anything else I could help you with, and if anyone in the audience wants to find me online it's the 5am hustle on instagram i'm not sure how long how much longer that'll be the handle but that's what it is for now should i how about your your website i'm gonna link it should i yeah the website the 5am hustle.com but the reason why the instagram may be changing is because i'm changing the the website to johnsonandrews.ca and so when that's up the instagram handle will change but for now it's the 5am hustle okay so i'm gonna link your instagram account then Awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much, man. I really appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. Bye. This podcast is produced in collaboration with CFRC.ca in Kingston, Ontario. CFRC is located on traditional Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee territory. Infrastructure support for the CFRC podcast project is provided by the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science. For more information, or to get involved in podcasting, visit podcasts.cfrc.ca.